morning. So every once in a while I have one of those, you know, introductions and it gives me some time. Not this time. How are you guys doing? Hey, so uh, they just told about the toy store and last week I kind of made an appeal. I said, hey, we have an opportunity to do, store, do something. I don't know if you guys saw it, but there's a thermometer out there that's kind of showing where we're at with approaching that uh, five to 600 toys that we said we wanted to do. Do you guys see where we're at? We have like 400 toys in and there were more that came in this morning. So good job to you guys too. That's exciting. When we started out, I know a lot of people were intimidated by that number and they thought, I don't know if we can pull this off, but uh, here we are. So um, if, you, if you have toys that you intended to bring, still bring them in. We still need a few more. And all that that does is the more toys that we have, it provides a better uh, selection for the people that'll be uh, taking part of that. So um, thank you. Thank you to all of you who have been a part of that. That's exciting. Uh, today is our first uh, Sunday of... Advent. Advent is an old English word. All it means is it's just simply very simple. Uh, the arrival. Uh, usually it meant like an event or a person. Uh, each year we take the, f- the four Sundays that precede Christmas and we just take them so that we can refocus. You know, sometimes crazy, uh, you know, the Christmas season gets kind of crazy, gets chaotic, it gets commercialized. And uh, we want to refocus away from that and refocus on the reason that we celebrate at Christmas. And that is because 2,000 years ago, we know that Jesus arrived, right? God arrived to live with us, to uh, live, die, uh, and rise again in order to save us, to rescue us from the brokenness, from the um, really separation from him, from the despair that we were in. And so uh, that is what Advent's about. So we're excited about that. This morning, that's what the, uh, the reading was about as well. It was that arrival of this of this baby, this uh, unexpected, right, gift from God in the person of Jesus Christ. What we're going to see, though, is that that promise that was made in Isaiah 6, that promise uh, that was made maybe, you know, that was probably 500, uh, 700 years ago, or 20, 25, 2700 years ago, 25 to 700 years before Jesus showed up. But that promise had actually been made uh, prior to that. In fact, it reaches all the way back to the beginning of human history. If you read in scripture, all the way back to the beginning, God was promising uh, that there would come a savior and that, uh, you know, it was given at the point, in fact, where we first realized that we needed a savior, where Adam and Eve had just fallen. They had just taken all the good things that God had given to them and they had just messed it up. And uh, in Genesis one and two, we find that God had created this great earth You know, you guys know, uh, many of you know this creation story. You know, he created the earth. He created this beautiful place for for people to live and for us to live and grow and work and to uh, surrounded us with with relationships and provision and just his grace in that way. Uh, We were in the midst of just a relationship with him, a connection with God himself. And he created that in, in that way. And then we chose to do the one thing that he said not to do. And, and through that, things began to unravel and things began to come apart. And, and, and so we find that you know, soon after that, Adam starts blaming Eve for everything that happened and Eve starts blaming the snake you know, for everything that he did. Um, but listen to what God says. Listen to what God does uh, when he comes in and he speaks to them in, in Genesis 3, 14 and 15. And so I'm gonna read this. If you guys wanna stand with me as we read this word of God, this is like a second reading for this morning. So you guys get a bonus 
You know, you don't just get the one, we get the second one here. But this is Genesis 3, 14 through 15. It says, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this. Now that sounds like a very weird way to start out to Christmas, right? Our first Christmas reading, the Lord God said to the serpent. But listen to this. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than any, all the cattle, more than any beast of the field. On your belly, you will go about eating the dust of the ground all the days of your life. But listen to this. And I will put hostility between you and the woman, between your offspring and hers. Her offspring will crush your head and you will bruise his heel. All the way back to Genesis, we see that God had promised that the one who had destroyed us would be destroyed. That, that, that power, that work in us that was crushing us would be crushed. He had made this promise that the offspring, literally the seed of the woman, the seed of Eve would come and destroy the destroyer. That's the hope we have. And in this seed, the seed and the seed of hope, the seed of God is the, the one who we celebrate at Christmas. Amen? It's Jesus Christ. Today's message is titled The Seed of Hope. Pray with me. Father, um, this morning we come in here and, and some of us, um, we come in here needing hope. All of us need, need to have hope. All of us at some point and at some place, at some corner, sometimes it's, it's something huge in our lives. Sometimes it's something very small, but all of us know that this, this world is not what we expect it to be. This world doesn't always cooperate. It doesn't always um, play uh, and fall along that line that we hope it would. And we end up in places, Father, sometimes that, that we wish that we were not in. And, and we end up with circumstances that surround us that we did not expect. And, and so all of us need to know that there is this hope, this hope that you provide. And then in Jesus, it says that we have this hope and not just for this world, but for the next that it goes so far beyond just the, the little things that we lose here and now. And some of those, again, they're very big in this world, but Lord, you said there's so much more that we could be losing, but you have sent us a savior, Jesus. So we thank you. We thank you for the promise of that hope. We thank you for the activity of that hope as it works in us and through us and, and in our lives and into our world. And we thank you for the, the grace of that hope the reality of that hope, the, the, the trustworthiness of that hope and promise. Thank you, Lord, that you sent your son Jesus as much as anything that you could show in a very tangible way that you were good for all the promises that you have made to us and to rescue us of the brokenness of this world. So Father, um, be with us this morning. Let's hear your word. Let us hear the voice of your spirit as he speaks to our hearts, as he continues to, to challenge us, but also to comfort us and to encourage us that even in the midst of whatever we're in, that God, you have come to save us. And you are working that salvation. So we thank you. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, Father, for your love. We pray these things in your name. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. Have a seat. So um, how many of you guys, this uh, maybe the next four or five weeks, how many of you guys are going to be traveling somewhere? Anybody? Anybody have anybody traveling in? Right? I mean, holidays. Wow. You guys, either you're not with me or 
How many of you guys are going down to see family, even in the area? Anybody? I mean, traveling. I mean, anywhere. You guys are, yeah, you guys are, are you awake yet? I don't know. Some of you. Holidays usually, I mean, there's a lot of travel that goes on. We know that. You watch the news and one of the lead stories is how well things are going in travel. They don't do that year round. Why? Because not everybody's traveling, but they are now. And uh, whether it is that you're going, you're going to see somebody or else that maybe some of you guys are traveling because it's just too cold up here. And so you got to get somewhere warmer. And so everybody travels with you. But, um, you know, I was just thinking about that. I was thinking about how much easier travel has gotten, hasn't it? Especially with the advent, use the vocabulary word for this morning, the advent of GPS, right? And everybody has maps on their phones. Everybody has these ways and you just plug it in and it tells you where to go. That made it so much easier. In fact, sometimes, have you ever been driving down the street and you're kind of getting somewhere difficult and you go, I don't know how they did it before GPS. (laughs) Seriously, right? Well, I do. I remember how it was before GPS because uh, I remember... Uh, how it was before Google Maps. I, I remember that feeling, and some of you guys will remember that feeling. Some of you guys still might know that feeling, but where you think that you figured out how to get to a place, and then when you arrive, you realize how wrong you were, right? Do you remember that feeling where you're, you're going along? There was this one time, uh, we were in Chicago one time, and, and uh, we needed to get out of town. We were there celebrating a family of this, this uh, and a my, my brother's graduation. And so we needed to get to this highway to get out of town. And so I, I, the map wasn't helping. It was confusing. And so I looked and you could see the highway and I knew my directions in the city. So I knew where I had to get. And so I just figured, I, I just used my internal directional instincts to get there. Again, this is before GPS. And so uh, we started getting there and, and we did, we took off okay. We're headed in the right direction. We took some unexpected turns and stuff. And we found ourselves right where I had wanted to get. We were right next to the highway. In fact, we were right under it. It was about 80 feet above us. It was on one of these flyways. There were no access, you know, no on-ramps anywhere. And we're in this part of town that was a little bit sketchy. You know, Chicago gets that way in places. And so we had some boarded up buildings with a lot of graffiti. We had this car off the side of the road. It was up on blocks, you know, and didn't have any wheels left, you know, that kind of town. And, and we're, we're there and I'm like, wow, you know, I did not, I didn't see this coming. This is not what I envisioned for my life, you know, in this moment. But that was, that was, um, you know, that was that feeling that I got where you thought you knew where you're going and all of a sudden you find yourself in a place and you go, I had no idea what I was doing. That was life before GPS. Well, I imagine for Adam and Eve, when they found themselves in that place where they're talking to God, they probably had that same feeling, don't you think? That's not what they had imagined when the serpent says, hey, eat the apple, you'll be just like God. That's not what they had in mind, this conversation they were having with God, that they had ended up somehow somewhere that they didn't expect, and it wasn't a good somewhere. So we find in Genesis 3 that if you go beyond that, you know, what our reading this morning, you read on and you find out that God tells, tells Eve, for example, he says, you know, because of what you've done, this is where you have ended up. You're, you're going to have this pain in childbirth, not just you, but all those who follow after you. Bringing new life into this world is not going to be an easy thing. And your relationship with your husband, this companion that God gave you is going to be strained. So life in this world is not going to be an easy thing. He turns to Adam. He says, you know, the ground isn't going to cooperate with you anymore. Um, It's going to be hard. You're going to have to do some hard work. It's going to take some effort just to eat. And in the end, you're just going to end up as dust again. 
the same dust that you came from. And so things are not going to be. So here's this couple that, that you know, I, I think they had expected kind of a boost up and all of a sudden they find that the, the, the bottom dropped out. In fact, they were driven from this paradise that God had created for them. They were driven out of this life that God had intended for them and instead found themselves outside of that garden. And this angel was posted so, uh, at, the, at the border so that they could never return. So have you ever ended up in a place in your life that you didn't expect to be? Well, another way to ask that question is, are you human, right? I mean, because we all have. We've all, we've all been in that place. And whether standing there, you know, at Christmas time, do you remember as a kid, you got this new Christmas toy and it was like a week later and you're standing there and the thing's broken in your hands. You're going, what happened, right? And that's our first introduction into this, this world of maybe you're standing there and in your old age, you're looking at your health and you're saying somewhere something broke, Right? I don't know exactly even where it happened, but something broke that I didn't expect. Maybe you're standing there in your life at some point and you're holding a a relationship, a valued relationship that you never expected to be gone, but whether it was because of a death or maybe it was because of a disagreement, maybe it was because of just whatever it is that that just slowly unraveled and you saw it coming apart and you couldn't do anything about it. I just... um, just met a new friend in the back of our sanctuary this morning who is here this morning because moved down to uh, Florida and six months later finds her house wiped out by a hurricane. So how many times do you find yourself in a place that you're not expecting? But in God's grace, even at the end, there's no GPS you know, for getting out of that, but God in his grace he shows us that he didn't send us into this world. It may have been into a world that there was confusion and there was death and there was destruction and there was unexpected and there was that sinking feeling when you get there to that place you didn't want to be. But in his grace, God still sent us into this world with hope, right? With the promise. The promise that there will be that there is, that he will always send a savior. That's what we celebrate this morning. Hope, hope. It's a, it's a powerful word, isn't it? Hope is this word that's like a light in a very dark place. Hope is also, it's like a, and he says it in Genesis, hope is like a, a seed. A seed starts out small. It doesn't look like much, right? You hold it in your hand and you're going, how could this turn into anything worthwhile? In fact, it looks nothing like what it will become. That's especially true if you take hope, a seed that is going to become a tree, right? You can never see that in that seed. So often we look at hope and we think, you know, there's, there's not much to it. You know, um, we have squirrels throughout our neighborhood and they love to bury stuff in our yard. So all fall, you'll see these holes pop up in your yard. And I mean, they're burying everything. They're burying acorns, they're burying uh, peanuts, they're burying like conifer seeds from, that they've pulled off of these pine trees. And I always thought that it was because they were going to make their way back, you know, and, and dig these things up and they'll eat them. But I find out in the spring, they leave a lot of those things under there because these things start sprouting up again. And um, when you look at it, you know, even as a seed, it didn't look like much, but even when it starts sprouting up, Right? It doesn't always look like much. It doesn't always look that impressive. In fact, in the spring, I just usually, either if, if I'm not pulling them on, I'm just mowing them down. And they, they're not resisting very much. But 
If you give a seed like two, three years, right? Then try and yank that thing out of the ground, right? If you give it like five, 10, 15 years, then try and throw it away, you know, without using up like a whole set of these yard bags they give us, right? If you give it like 20, 30, 40 years, try and take that thing down without hurting yourself. Because a seed, it takes a while, and that's what hope is like. It, it may take a while. It may not look like much at the beginning. In fact, even when it starts growing, when it starts taking root in your life, it doesn't look like much, but you give it time. And you're going to find that it will, it, it, it really, it starts taking over the landscape, right? It starts shaping everything around it because that's what hope is like. Some of you understand that because some of you, some of you might be at that first steps of, of grabbing hold of a promise that God has given. And that's an act of faith, but it's an also it's entering, you're entering into that realm of hope. And you're looking at it, you're saying, I, it looks so distant. I don't know how this could affect my life. I don't know how this could change anything, this, these mere words on a page. But give it time, right? Some of you are in your first steps of your walk with Jesus and you're going, I don't see him changing the things in me that I hoped he had, I would, that he would change. These things that are broken in me or these things in my life that are just a mess, I don't see that changing He says, give it time because hope's like a seed. Hope is like a seed and it starts starts taking root and then you see the first steps of it or maybe you're looking at it and you're saying, you know, even it's starting to take root but it doesn't seem to be doing much. It just looks like a little seedling. You know what it looks like? It looks like a little baby who's born in a manger on the backside of the Roman Empire crying in the night. It doesn't look like much. How can this Baby, save the world. But man, give it, give it time. Give it time and then you, you start seeing, you start seeing that, that hope starts taking root and it does start changing things. And later when that seed does start to grow and that promise does start to take root, it, it becomes impossible to ignore. It becomes like Jesus. You know, Jesus, that, that promise that God gave back in Isaiah that was hard to believe at the time when Israel was going through what they were going through. It was probably hard for the shepherds to believe when Jesus was born and these angels showed up and said, hey, there's a baby born. He's the savior of the world. And they go and they see him and they're rejoicing, but they're going, that's, that's a lot to believe right now. But what about after he had risen from the dead? What about after he had risen and he had ascended into heaven and he sat at the right hand of God the Father? After he changed the world? What about after he had poured out his spirit within his people? And they began to do things that, that they knew weren't of themselves. Not to mention, what about that day, that second advent when Jesus comes back and he sets up his kingdom? It restores everything where the only things that are broken at that point are sin and death and the seed of the serpent, the things that sprung up out of his presence in this world. What about that day? In that day, hope will be hard to ignore. The, the seed will be hard to avoid the impact of the, the changes that came and hope Hope is like that. Hope is like a seed. You know, in Genesis 3, it's interesting that God said to the serpent, he said, you know, um, 
there's gonna be this hostility that's going to exist between you and your seed and the seed of this woman. And we, and we see that, we see that that's true. It's true in two different ways. One, every time that something happens that is something that that seed that sprung up from the results of the evil one and his presence in this world, every time that, that happens in our life, there's a hostility that comes up, isn't there, within you? Because each one of us is, is that small s seed of the woman. We're descendants of Eve and of Adam, of that couple that fell. And so there's this hostility that, that rises up within us. And so we see the destruction or we see death or we're impacted by sorrow or loss or we see the brokenness of our world and we see the despair around us and, and there's a hostility that comes up within us. There's an, an enmity. There's an antithesis where we say that's just wrong. That shouldn't be here. Has no right. The problem is, is that when it rises up within us, we do everything we can to defeat them but that we find out that we're just the small s seed of the woman, Right? because we come up short. We can't defeat this thing. It keeps coming back in different forms and all around us. It's overwhelming at times. But this isn't just a promise that there will be this hostility between the small s seed of the woman and the outgrowth of this, of this evil one, but it's, this is also a promise that there will be this capital S seed, right? That's the promise that God was making Back in Genesis at the beginning, there will be this capital S seed of not just any woman, but of woman particularly because Jesus as the son of God, he wasn't born of a human father. Instead, it was God himself fathered this child through Eve. Now he, he overshadowed, it says it's a mystery how this happened, but that the spirit of God overshadowed Eve and she conceived and had, was the mother of the very son of God, God himself taking on human form and living among us. So he is this capital seed, a capital S seed that was promised to crush the head of this serpent, to crush the head of all of the seed, all of that that has sprung up from this, this evil one. You know, we know that that promise doesn't apply to us. We don't, when we go out and we try and crush the head of the serpent, what usually happens? We usually, we might be able to, you know, beat down evil in our life over here in this area, but immediately it's like it pops up over here. It's like weeding your garden, right? You just get done weeding and the weeds are coming in where you first started weeding, right? And, and so it's like you, 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 Finally get your finances in order. Okay, got that done. And all of a sudden your relationships are falling apart. And so you run over here to get your relationships in order. And all of a sudden a pandemic breaks out, right? And throws your life into chaos. And then, right? That's the nature of this evil. And it's like the seeds are everywhere. But it says that with God's promised seed, this capital S seed, it says that he took on all of that on our behalf. He took on all of that. So the serpent... He threw the, all that he had at Jesus. He even threw death at Jesus. Jesus took on all of that and death, even death couldn't hold him down for more than three days. It was like a bruise on the heel. Instead of being crushed by it, it became this bruise on the heel. God's capital S seed of hope. It's not in us. It's not us. It's Jesus. It's his savior. 
So what does that mean? What does that mean for us? What does that mean for us? Well, there's, how, how does that change anything about, about our lives, about how we live, whether it's this Christmas, this season, whether it's how we live going on into our, our life beyond, uh, you know, just year round? How does it change? Well, it changes us. I think there are several ways. First is this. We need to realize that in Jesus, we are people of promise. Right? We're people of promise. We, we can be confident because of the promises that God has made. Yes, we live in a, in a broken world. Everybody, would you agree with that? Right? We live in a broken world. You know what? Yes, brokenness is in me. I'm not just a victim of this broken thing. I cause problems in this world. Sometimes I do it intentionally. Sometimes I do it unintentionally. But this sin, this brokenness is in me as well. But even though I have been born into this sin, even though I have been born into this, this death and this brokenness, because I am a descendant of the woman and of the man who first sinned, even though I too was kicked out of the garden when they were kicked out of the garden, out of paradise, I have lost the, the life that God intended from me. I was expelled from that to live in this shadow of curses and death. Even though, even though an angel of God still blocks the way for me so that I can't get back there in my own strength. I cannot get back to that life God intended for me. I know that God has promised. God has promised and he has sent a savior to rescue me. So we're no longer under the shadow of separation from God. We're no longer under the shadow of death. We don't live in the fear of tomorrow or that fear of what this world will do or what this evil is, is going to cause in our lives. We don't live in that fear. Through Jesus, we live instead in a hope, right? A hope in the promise because we're people of promise. Hope in that promise that has been given to us through this capital S, this seed of the woman, I know now that Jesus is crushing within me all of that sin, all of that brokenness is crushing that within me because that's what he does when he arrives. That it was what, that's what he does when, at his advent. And his advent in me, he began crushing that. I know that he is, he is crushing around me. He is using me to even bring that. It's overflowing for me and going into this world because of what he's doing in me and what he's doing through me. I know that there will be a day that he will finally and completely crush every hint, every trace of, that, of those seeds within me. It will be gone. Why? Because I know that we are people of promise that he has promised that savior and that salvation. So celebrating Christmas is a celebration of God's promises. What does that mean? Well, that means we should, this Christmas, we should take the time to read that story. In fact, it shouldn't be just this Christmas. It should be year round. We're reading that story. We should be reading those words of the prophets when they were reminding God's people of the promises that God had made at the beginning. We should, be, we should be reading that story. We should be reading the story about the hope that goes all the way back to the beginning. From beginning to end, we see these promises that God has made. You know, in 2 Peter, it says that we have been given everything that we need for life and godliness by the promises that he gave us. That's what he's given us. 
in order to, to walk through and live this life because we're people of promise. Second, we need to realize that we are people of patience. <laughs> and we don't like that word. That means that we have to wait every once in a while. We don't get everything when we want it right then, right? But we're people of patience because sometimes the work that God is doing in me, it's like a seed. It's like a seed and it might not look like much. It doesn't look like much. It doesn't look like it's powerful enough. It doesn't look like it is impressive enough. But I know I just have to, to wait. Or sometimes I just have to wait because like a seed, Jesus is growing in me and in you this new life. It is taking root. And it will become at some point that thing that Ephesians says is more than we could have ever asked or imagined. Because even in looking at the promise, looking at the seed, looking at the word, looking at the thing that God said he would do in me, I can't even imagine it. It's like looking at the seed and trying to imagine the tree that's going to come from it. Later in his, his ministry to the people of Israel, Isaiah, who we read from in Isaiah 9, 6, he was saying this child would be coming. Later he says this, he says in Isaiah 30, verse 41, those who wait, those who wait for the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint because we're people of patience. Celebrating Christmas is celebrating that patient expectation, that confidence, that satisfaction that comes from just knowing it's on its way, but I need to wait. So take time this Christmas. Take time to thank God for what he's doing even though you haven't seen it fully accomplished yet. Take time to thank God that he's doing stuff that you can't even imagine that he's working out on your behalf. Why? Because he promised he would. Thank God for that hope that comes in this promise and this salvation that he, he has given to you, that he is working to provide for that need. He is breaking those things that are addictions and habits within you, that he is somehow coming alongside to comfort you in that sorrow or comfort you in that loss and to create things brand new. He is bringing that harvest of joy that he promised. It might look like a seed now, but we're promised it, so we wait, amen? So people of promise, people of patience, we also, we need to realize that we're people of God's presence. Do you notice that even in that moment when Adam and Eve had fallen, in that very moment, do you see what God did? He came to them and he spoke with them. Even in that, that, that moment that they had taken everything that God had given, every good thing, and they began to undo it, and they began to, they broke it, and they messed it up, and they completely messed up what he had intended, even in that moment he showed up. When, when God said, you know what, I'm going to bring my salvation, how did he do that? He showed up in Jesus, and he lived among us. Because we're not just people of a God who stands far off, we're a people of presence. We're a people of God's presence. If you read on past those stories, you find that God continues to show up in the lives of people and he continues to walk alongside them and to walk alongside their descendants, their seeds, their generations that follow. We 
We hope in Jesus because when he saves us, he continues that work. He says, and I pour my spirit out within you. That when we say, God, I need you to, to save me, to rescue me out of this, he says that his very presence is with us from that moment on, within us, changing us, doing that work. Ephesians says that the Holy Spirit, his presence is, is, is like a preview of what's to come. He's like, he's like this, um, almost like a down payment of a, of, a, of a future inheritance. It's the taste of the glory of God to come. In Romans 5, 1 through 5, it puts it this way. It says, therefore, having been justified with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. This gift of grace in which we stand. And we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And it says, and not only that, but we exalt even in the broken things and the tribulations we face, knowing that tribulation brings perseverance, confidence, pushing forward. Perseverance brings proven character. Proven character brings forth hope. And this hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts by the Holy Spirit who he's given to us. Celebrating Christmas is celebrating the fact that a whole other world has broken into this broken world right? And it's, it's restoring, it's recreating. He is, he is undoing it. The person, a whole other person who is unexpected has broken into this broken person and is making me new. So this Christmas, what can you do? Well, take some time. Take some time to quiet down. Take some time to just kind of pull away from all of the uh, the crazy and just listen. Listen for those that, that whisperings of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to you. Uh, be sensitive to his nudges as he, as he nudges you and leads you. Learn to live in that kind of that confident satisfaction, that confident peace that he surrounds you with and he envelops you in as a person of promise, a person of patience, but also a person of his presence as he envelops you. He speaks to you of that peace that has been planted in you through that one, that capital S seed of, of the woman, the seed of hope, God's seed of hope, Jesus. Amen? Amen.